Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Good to be with you. I want to welcome again everybody here and online. Can we thank our band again? I just love the worship this morning, man. I needed to hear it. How many of y'all needed that this morning? I needed that. Yeah, praise God. I hope what I'm about to say you need, because this is like, that's their half. This is my half, and I'll bring my half. So I'm glad to be back with you guys. So we, we took uh, some time off. We always take a little time at the end of December. That's kind of our routine, and then at the end of right before the new year, we went to a wedding uh, last week, and we had a dear friend of ours, a uh, uh, couple who are really, really good friends of Haley and Brand, who are in Kentucky, and uh, I want to show you a picture of the Lindsays. Here they are, and uh, we took our masks off. We are all holding our breath. <laughs> okay. And um, this is uh, Kaylin and Michael Lindsay. K- uh, Michael is a pastor in Mississippi, and they were uh, all connected at Asbury uh, Theological Seminary, and then uh, she got married. Uh, they got married in Dublin, Georgia. So we were in Dublin, Georgia last week, and just a precious, precious couple. They um, want to tell you about them because I want you to pray for them. So they got married, right? They went on their honeymoon. They flew to Costa Rica, their honeymoon. They were there two days on their honeymoon, and they went on a hike, and she jumped over a little stream and fractured her ankle in two places. And they had to pull her out of the jungle, fly her back to Atlanta, and she's now in Mississippi, and she can have surgery. And so, yeah, pray for her. I don't know what else to say. Don't go hiking on your honeymoon. (laughs) Write that down. That's what P. Diddy says. Don't, Don't go hiking on your honeymoon. But anyhow, so... I don't know what else to say. We're going to go forward now into the message. It's kind of a bummer way to start the message. But anyhow, grab your notes. We're going to dive in. We're in a series right now we're calling Get Your Life Back. I want you to notice that how your pastors can learn from their experiences. Last year, the sermon series at the beginning of the year was called Your Best Life Ever. Okay? There were other titles that came to my name. My thought for this year, but um, I, I'm really excited about what we're going to look at, and um, we are using, uh, let me commend to you a great resource, we are using a book uh, and some of the content uh, you will see uh, from John Eldridge's book of the same title, Get Your Life Back. I've read most of what John has written. He's a fantastic uh, author, fantastic follower of Jesus, and has had a lot of impact on on your pastor, and um, He invites us into a conversation. This is what I love. He invites us into a conversation about our souls. And have you noticed that um, at the beginning of the year, uh, all of us kind of are, we're all sort of focused in some measure on renewal, on what we can do to improve. Now, most of this is physical, right? We, we attack the new year with like this gusto. We're going to, we're going to work out. We're going to get finally get in shape. I, I was reading recently f- uh, that like gym membership increases in January, 42% in January. Plummets in March, but in 42% in January. 
Okay, in fact, when I got up, you know, the new year, this is kind of me when I think about the new year. I don't know why you're laughing. That's a real picture. No Photoshop there. All right. That's disgusting. And, and, uh, and honestly, that's me in January. Here I am in March. This is, this is me in March. Uh, actually, that, actually, that was me in December. Uh, so many of y'all brought the locks goodies, and um, these were so good. I, I told my family, I'm not even going to share them. I'm just going to OD on them. But anyhow... This is what we do. Normally, it starts with our bodies. I was reading this week. You got to hear this. This lady, this is what she writes. She says, so I signed up for a Zoom workout class in January that I found when I attended, it was too advanced. And I knew it was too advanced when the instructor asked me to do a plank and bring my uh, knee to the opposite elbow. And she goes on to say, so I decided to do a modified version of this where I turn off the computer and make pancakes. There we are, everybody. That's how it works, right? Uh, I don't know if you saw this. This happened right here in Royal Palm Beach this week. That's somebody drove right through the window of the Planet Fitness right here at Southern 441. They were so ready to get inside and work out. This is like what happened. We had actually people in our church that were there when that happened, and nobody, nobody was hurt, and um, her membership's been revoked, but... This is kind of what we do. And, and so we're, we're focused, a lot of us, we get focused physically. Some of us, you know, we start a new year, and, and this is what we say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow my mind, and I'm going to read this. I'm going to learn how to do this, I'm gonna, uh, and we do all of this. Here's what we're going to do at Community of Hope in, in, in January, though. We're going to invite you to grow your soul. That's what we're going to do. And I tell our team all the time, you know, if we're doing this right, this endeavor called Community of Hope, if we're doing it right, we should offer to our people what they cannot find anywhere else. And so we want to have a conversation about our soul. So here's a couple of questions as we tee it up. What if, just entertain me for a moment, what if the most important thing is not your physical body? I know it sounds weird. What if it's not your physical body? What if the most important thing isn't your mind? What if it's your soul? And we don't focus on it enough, right? We write our wills and we say, you know, I, Dale Locke, being of sound mind and body, you know. We don't really talk about the soundness and fitness of our souls. Jesus did, though. That's just interesting. In fact, in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, what good is it? What good is it really for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Can I, can I just take a moment of personal privilege? I've sat at the bedsides of people that have done that as a pastor. And they're trying to grab at something in the final moments and realize that, you know, they've had a ladder on the wrong wall. And it sucks to be in a position like that. We have chosen in this conversation to use as a frame of reference a verse of Scripture uh, that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I want us to say this out loud together. 
one of the famous statements of Jesus Christ. Let's read it. Ready? Go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let me ask you a question, another question. How many of you, with that, you don't have to raise your hand. This is kind of an internal question. How many of you believe that? Because I, if I were to be courageous, and I'll try to be, sometimes when I look at the body of Christ, I don't know that I see that. Because we're as fractured and frenetic oftentimes as the world. And Jesus is inviting us into something wholly and completely different than what the world offers. And so we want to invite you into a conversation about your soul. And we're going to suggest to you in this series some exercises that if we undertake them, will grow your soul. Now, this is really always the time we do it. We always, you know, in, 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 in the new year, we always focus on a couple things. We never want to shrink back from this. We never want to apologize. We want, never want to step back. We always use the beginning of the year at Community of Hope to talk about a couple things. Like one is like scripture engagement that all of us should be reading God's word on our own. And we try every year to say, like, we want everybody to get on the, in on this, you know. And here's our little mantra around that idea. We say, you know what, when, when we read Scripture on our own, here's the challenge. Yes, you're reading it, but here's the deal. Let it read you. Let it read you, right? And then secondly, we always talk about at the beginning of the year, we talk about uh, biblical community, getting in a group. And, and Kathy's worked extra hard this year, uh, like much of the staff, trying to pivot things toward, you know, if you're not ready to meet in person, you can meet online. we got all these online groups starting and forming and all of this. But the, the, it doesn't work unless you pull the trigger and jump in a group. And so we want to tell you, if you're not in a group, we want to say, get out of a row, get into a circle. This is kind of what we say every year. In fact, even the author of, of the book that I referenced to you says this, uh, John Eldridge writes, one of the gauges really to, to, for, to help us better understand how our soul is doing is our capacity for relationships. I mean, we're created in the image of, of a profoundly relational God who created relationships. The question really becomes, are you available for relationships? And, and, and if you've lost the capacity for or the enjoyment of, of, of meeting with people in, in kind of a biblical community, communicative idea, you can just be uh, assured that things are deeply off in your soul. This is our moment. But today what I want to do is I, I want to do something. I want to I read a passage of Scripture uh, where Jesus is calling the first disciples. And uh, I want to say a couple of words about this. And I, I just think there's really something for all of us in this. And uh, we're going to look at it in a little bit of a different way than what we normally do. Okay, so... We're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. And this is uh, the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. Here's how Luke records it. He says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, 
And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who's Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. Now Simon answered, Master. You can you can hear it, right? Master. I mean, we worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they began to fill their boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm sinful. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. For from now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their notes, uh, nets up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. And while Jesus was in one of these towns, a, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony. And yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear. Crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Let's pray together. Lord, something fresh something different, something new. Stir our souls, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, we look at Luke's gospel uh, as inspired by the Holy Spirit. We look at all of Scripture as inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's different. When we read the Bible, it's not the, 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 the Bible presupposes we're not just reading the Bible, we're reading God's Word. And, uh, and, and I love Luke because Luke is a Gentile. He writes kind of with a Gentile perspective. He writes with all this attention to detail and compassion. And uh, there's such veracity to what he shares, you know. But I want to give you a little secret. Uh, you know, when we read the Bible, we're reading the inspired Word of God. But the chapter headings, can I just say this? Those are not necessarily inspired. Those are added later. Everybody know that? They're, they're added later, just to kind of help us form a bit of a grid, a framework to these stories. And, and, and here's what I want to tell you. This is going to sound very egotistical. If I was one of the framers that kind of helped break that down, I wouldn't have named this the calling of the first disciples. It is the calling of the first disciples. Uh, I might be tempted to say it's, it's Luke's, you know, first encounter with Jesus. I mean, Peter's first encounter with Jesus. But, but, but if I was a framer, and I'm not, okay, uh, here's, what I, here's what I'd be tempted to do. I would be tempted to name this really uh, this. I would name it the four most common misunderstandings we have whenever we're navigating a relationship with the living God. And if you read... Those 16 verses, which we just did, and you, you include not only this experience with Luke, uh, with Peter that Luke writes about, excuse me, 
but also the, the, the person with leprosy, I count four different things in there that I think are, frankly, the most common misunderstandings all of us are prone to when we're navigating a relationship with the living God. One occurs, and it's what I would call the outsider most common understanding, and then three on the inside, and I want to give them to you. Is that okay? Good, because you're getting them anyway. Okay. So here's, here's the first one. It happens right in verse 5. Uh, this, is the, this, is the, 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 this is the outsider most common misunderstanding when we're navig- people are navigating a relationship with Jesus. Here it is. He can't understand me. And it happens right there in verse 5. Let me give it to you. I'll read it to you. Uh, Simon Peter comes back. He's been fishing all night. Jesus says, hey, put your nets out. Here, here it is. Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, that's, that is, I think, the most common misunderstanding pre-Christian people have with navigating relationship with God. Truth be told, here's what I think we all think. He could never understand me. And you can hear it there in, 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 in Peter's Almost, y'all, his, almost his rebuke of Jesus, if you will. Uh, let me set the stage a little so we all understand it. I mean, uh, Peter is cleaning up after a night of getting skunked on the water, right? Sun's out. It's morning. Many, any, uh, any fishermen in the room? I, I fish. Uh, normally not the time when fish bite in the heat of the day. Uh, they're there cleaning their boats. We know historically this that when they fished, they didn't fish alone. They fished in pods. They fished with other people. You'll notice later in the story, they reach out to another boat to come get the fish. So this is kind of a common thing. They all go out together. They all come back together. And and so here's what I would tell you what's baked into that. There's a lot of sort of reverse sort of embarrassment going on when Jesus calls Peter out. And, and my sense is, would be like this. He's going to tell Peter now to go out and drop the nets. All the other fishermen are watching Peter. And they're going, is he going to do it? I mean, everybody knows this guy must be crazy. I mean, we're not going to catch fish. I mean, Peter's been fishing a long time. Is he going to do this? This is sort of embarrassing. And and you'll notice that Peter does get around to putting uh, the nets out, right? And and I think that's that's a great challenge to us that we have to somehow, it's still possible to navigate past this misunderstanding that God would never, could never really understand us. I could not tell you. To be honest, how many times I have sat at a Starbucks or sat at a lunch table or sat in my office across these, uh, you know, soon to be three decades at Community of Hope, my goodness, and, and, and had people tell me that they would love to have a relationship with God, but God could never understand them. And here's what we're learning in this very first uh, misunderstanding. He can understand you. And, and Peter, one of the things that's so great about him is with all of that secondhand embarrassment, all of that difficulty, all of that challenge, he still yet found a way that said, Lord, but if, because you say so, right, I will let out the nets. Now, little side thing you might want to write down. Sometimes Jesus will ask of you something he's not asking anybody else. Is that okay to say that? I mean, right, he didn't go to everybody. He didn't say, hey, everybody, let's go out. We're going to drop the nets. 
He will sometimes do it to you, and sometimes he'll ask you to do something silly. Looks kind of silly. I mean, who drops a net? We just cleaned them. You want us to go back out in front of everybody, Lord? I mean, this is ridiculous. And, and here's, here's our challenge right there. If you're navigating a relationship with Jesus, be like Peter. Lord, because you've said so. I think some of us ought to get a sticky note. You ought to write on the sticky note, Lord, because you said so, put it on your bathroom mirror. Because you're navigating something right now in your life. And I think God would like to say to you, you know, and hear you say to him, you know, Lord, but because you've said so, Lord, I'll do it. Should I call this person? Should I reflect this? Should I say this? Should I do this? Because you've said so, Lord. I'll do it. Now, that's the first outsider misunderstanding most people have. And, and here's what I want to tell you. It's, it's, a, it's a threshold. I, I, want, I, don't want to, I don't want to play it light. Some people never get past that. Some of you are listening right now online or listening in the room, and you have some skepticism. You're not yet a follower of Jesus, and you're saying, I hear all that, but I'm different. I hear that, but I'm different. And I want to tell you this with all humility, you're not any different. This is a threshold. You've got to figure out a way to step past the common misunderstanding that Jesus could never understand you. Do you want to have another one? I'll give it to you. Happens in verse 8. Uh, it's, let, me, let me name it to you. It's in verse 8. He'll never accept me. And you see it in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw the nets, fish, and all of that, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, Lord, um, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Now, if the first one, he'll never understand me, is, is the most common outsider mistake people make in navigating a relationship with Jesus, this is the first insider mistake. I, I say it this way. Once we make our initial move toward Jesus, we're confronted with the beauty of his holiness and the splendor of his grace. The usual reaction is the one we see here from Peter. We assume somehow that his holiness and grace could never be for us. Here's what I literally believe. I believe, honestly, this misunderstanding we're navigating right here, it is almost a prerequisite to be a follower of Jesus. Um, it's the same thing Jesus is talking about, I believe, when Peter falls and says, Lord, I see you in the beauty of your holiness, the splendor of your majesty. God, you would ever stoop to be it anywhere near me. I'm a sinful man. If you get over to Luke chapter 7, we have, we have a story where a woman is so overcome by the grace of Jesus that she falls at his feet. And her tears are so freely flowing, she uses her hair to wipe Jesus' feet with her tears falling on him. And and, and the disciples are embarrassed. And, And the room is filled with all this awkward shame. And then Jesus says this. He says to someone who's sinned much, and it's forgiven much. They get it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I think it's a prerequisite. 
little confession. hope it's okay to share. I became a follower of Jesus when I was 16. Okay? Now, I only look like I'm about 26, but this was a long time ago. And uh, I, I, I want you to just think for a moment. Let's just think. I'm a 16-year-old boy. Right? So, so the, I almost need to say anything, right? Anything else? Here, what is a 16-year-old boy? Uh, I was a baseball-loving, girl-focused, hormone-raging know-it-all. I was. Um, you know, I thought I knew everything. What, 16-year-old boys, no offense, maybe it's not you, it was me. I just thought I knew everything. thought my dad wasn't very smart. You know, amazed how smart he became when I turned 21. <laughs> you know, what did, what did preacher Chuck Swindoll said? said that when you, you raise a kid and when they're 16, you put them in a barrel and feed them through a knot hole. <laughs> and he said, when they turn 18, you plug up the knot hole. <laughs> I mean, that's, that was me at 16. But I had this, I had this encounter with Jesus. And can I be honest with you? The first thing I had to navigate when I was introduced to Jesus was that I was already at 16 somehow disqualified. And I know I'm not the only one thinking that. And I bet there are people right now in this room and people right now on looking through a camera or on a TV somewhere, and you think you're disqualified. And I want to tell you you're not. And this is what we got to navigate. We got to navigate that, that Jesus wants to be around us. Jesus wants to be your friend. He wants to be your Lord, your leader, your forgiver, your friend. And we got to navigate that. And you're never going to deepen your soul, everyone, if you don't ever get past some of these misunderstandings. He'll never understand me. He could never accept me. You're never going to grow the length of your soul. You're going to live. I want you to, you can write it down. You will live beneath your privilege as long as you believe those lies from the devil. Here's a third one. Let me give it to you. It happens in the next story, but I think it's connected. He doesn't really want to help me. And we see it in verse 12 and 13. So while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along and was covered with leprosy, covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, it, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him and he said, I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, here's what I would tell you. This is the misunderstanding that usually accompanies our middle years of faith. And I think I know why it happens. I want to suggest to you an idea. I think by the time you've lived your faith a little bit, here's what else is going on. You have this tension between living your faith and then here's the world, you know. And by the time we've lived a little while, we have people that have let us down. Anybody ever let you down? And um, here's what I think we do. We start to take that and we move that over to Jesus. And we assume he will let us down too. So he can't really be trusted. 
uh, I've sat with people and, and sometimes you guys will say stuff like this. I'll never trust again. Well, we say it. We have it. It's in, it's in part of our culture. Um, fool me once, shame on. What do we say? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's the lie of the middle years of our faith. And, and we, we, we take the human understandings we have and we just manifest this over to Jesus and we say, we just have to assume, since everybody else has let me down, oh, you're going to let me down too. And sometimes we go through experiences and it just feels like he's not there and it feels like maybe he's letting us down and he doesn't really care. Um, King David wrote in Psalm 46, verse 1, he said this, he said, um, our God, our God, is a very present help in time of trouble. And let me just tell you about King David. He had a lot of those years that looked like 2020 to him. And this is what he could write near the end of his life. He's, a, he's not only a help, he's a very present help in time of trouble. And what, what he really is trying to tell us in the psalm is even when it looks like he's not there, he's there. And if you stay with him, you stay in the game, he'll, he'll show you that. And it becomes a tapestry of his grace. Um, this is a really powerful one here because, um, you know, what I love about this story is, right, Jesus gives the extra. You know, the extra. I mean, the guy didn't, the guy didn't ask to be touched. He, he presumed he wasn't going to be touched, right? He had leprosy, which is... Do you know what leprosy is? It's Hansen's disease, which is a slow-growing uh, microbial sort of infection that rots the human skin. And it's horrific to see, and it's even worse to smell. It's like rotting flesh. And people in Jesus' day that had it were often uh, forced to wear some sort of device that made noise like a bell or something and they were forced to walk on the other side of the street because it was so infectious nobody wanted to get near it and it smelled so bad nobody wanted to get near it. So this guy was already assuming, right, I mean, there's no way, no way Jesus is going to, you know, want to help me, let alone, I mean, certainly not going to touch me. And Jesus goes, I'm willing, ding, And I think we all have a situation in our lives right now where we're going, you know, Lord, I know you probably, I mean, I've messed this up. It's all me. It's my fault. I've done it. This is my deal. Ding! Will you let him? Will you let him? One more. One more. It happens at the end. We can almost miss it. So we get to verse 15, 16, and it says this. Um, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But, big deal there, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Here's, here's the common misunderstanding. Plagues all of our Christian experience. I can't really be like him. And uh, if you read the Gospels enough, here's what you'll notice about the Gospels. The Gospels say, Jesus, in fact, says one time when he was doing miracles, he, he said, greater things than these even you can do. 
But if that's true, we're going to have to learn the rhythms of life that Jesus learned. And I want you to notice there in verse 15, at the very height of his ministry, at the very height of his popularity, when most of us would be, I don't have time to do anything else, you know, because I got to focus on this. I mean, after all, I am, I'm an em, 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 emissary of the Most High God. I, I got I to be involved in that. What's Jesus doing? He's withdrawing to get alone to pray, to hear from his Heavenly Father. In fact, one study I read said that he spent more time away than together doing his ministry. He was always going away. What about you? Let me just tell you this. If you want to grow your soul this year, we're going to have to learn the rhythms of Jesus. And I, I want to give you a start. I, this is not the whole thing. It's not the whole enchilada, but I want to show you where some of us have been starting. Here's how we're starting. We're, we're looking for, we're calling it this. We're calling it the one-minute pause. And a, a lot of us on staff are, are looking for at least two places during the day where we, where we take one minute and we just invite God in a simple prayer. We say to him, Lord, I give everyone and everything to you. That's it. And so, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put a tent stake in the ground. What if we, what if we all started doing that? And what I'm going to do, I wore a watch today. Ooh, I'm over time. Okay. Sorry. It was so good. I wanted to keep going. All right. And, um, I'm going to give us a minute. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about your life right now. What's going well? What's not going well? Where, wherever it is. And across this minute, I want you to just maybe say, say it with me out loud. Lord, I give everyone and everything to you. Say it again. Lord, I give everyone and everything to you. And let's see what God can do with our soul if we start honestly praying that prayer. So I'm going to give us time and let's pray. When you feel like you can, just the quietness of your heart, just tell him, Lord, I give everyone and everything to you. Lord, we're praying right now. Hear our prayers, Lord. Lord, we give everyone and everything to you. It's a lot in our lives, a lot in our nation, a lot in our world, but Lord, we give everyone and we give everything to you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to do that one more time today. And then I want to ask you to do it at least twice across this next week, every day. Maybe once in the morning, once in the evening, or, you know, you can do it more than that. But let's see what God will do if we step into the rhythms of Jesus. And what we're going to do in the series is show you some other cool rhythms that he had.
Okay? Would you stand with me? Oh, Lord, let's pray together. I thank you so much that you love us and you care for us. Would you give us a capacity, God, to step past these common misunderstandings that would, you know, try to rob our understanding of you because we think you can't understand us, that you would never accept us, that you don't really want to help us, and that we could never really grow our own souls. Would you help us step past that, oh God, and teach us the rhythms of your son? This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go in his peace. Go in his grace. We'll see you next week.